Welcome to Wrong Book Pod for our extra special April episode. I'm your host Sarah and other fellow host, my fellow host, our fellow host, and Melinda are also with, with me today. Hi, um, this is Anna. Hi, this is Melinda. Today we will be discussing comfort reading slash reading out of your comfort zones as well as answering audience questions. So for Anna, I'll start with you. Do you have particular comfort reads? I think there are certain things that I always come back to that are safe places for me. I guess I love reading paranormal romance and I love reading contemporary romance. And over the last few years, I certainly tried to expand my reading as a reviewer. I, I try to read more around all sorts of so I made myself read historicals for a while before I sort of found my place. So it, it takes like an intriguing premise to get me out of my comfort zone, something that I haven't seen before. And it takes the right mood, I think. Um, well, I'll take a chance on something because the cover's awesome or I've heard really good things about the author. But I, when I'm stressed, and who isn't right now? Paranormal romance is my my baby to go back to. I feel like it's there's an excuse why that world is different than our own. Okay, so like in contemporary romance right now, when you say like social distancing, <laughs> uh, who's who's walking around outside in the crowded street? But in paranormal romance, nobody can get sick, so that's nice. Or it can be something like I've been reading a lot of romantic suspense because. It's nice to have, like, competent people in charge. It uh, is very nice to have competent people in charge. Yeah. <laughs> or in paranormal, like, the sickness is, like, they can cure it by, like, shifting. And <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, a magical cure. That's, yeah, or I understand by completely. Sometimes the sickness is need for matings. Right, right. I you completely understand. The penis is the cure-all. Or the vagina. <laughs> well, I don't always love that. But, yes, I understand. <laughs> That's true. It's it's not not one of my favorite tropes, but it is it is out there that the meeting and the true. Magic. But in paranormal, I'm I can handle it more than in you know contemporary. That is true. Yeah, I agree with that. What are your comfort reads and comfort zone out of reading, Melinda? I'm with Anna. I paranormal was my first love, so when I need comfort, I like to return to paranormal or even sci-fi at this point, and if it's romance, at least. But sometimes I need like a shock to the system and I like to, you know, right now I'm going back, I'm reading fanfic because I need like super fluffy, right now I'm reading a lot of Schitt's Creek fanfic, just delightful, you know, David and Patrick just, you know, being super sweet and adorable because that's just what I need. I'm not able to really read anything historical right now because I need them to all have really good healthcare and really good vaccines and stuff like that. So I just, or like paranormal, it works for me because like I said, you know, they can shift and be delightfully cured. So that kind of thing usually works well for me. So for me, I usually designate a comfort read as a reread. So Unseen Attraction by K.J. Charles is one of my comfort reads, even though there's lots of murder in it. Um, But it's one that I re-listen to the most, or Misfits by Garrett Lee, or Tournament Losers by Megan Dare. 
like the ones I reread the most are what I consider my comfort reads. But uh, right now, mostly I'm reading fanfic and mostly <laughs> Hobbit fanfic because that's a fandom that I can just dive down deep and not have to go searching too hard for what I want um, mm-hmm. to get me out of my comfort zone. I, the, the only requirement to get me out of my comfort zone is I have to know that if they're queer characters, they don't die for being queer. So it's not very hard to get me out. My only upper limit is I really don't still do grimdark fantasy stuff. But as long as like the cover is interesting or the premise, I can... I've been yeah, doing, I, doing a lot of horror lately. It but needs not to really be horror. that hope dark, you know, not the yeah. grimdark. Hope punk. Yep. Hope punk. Yeah. Um, like I was listening to, I've been listening to the Magnus Archives, which is spooky queer horror audio drama, and that's just what I want to listen to right now. As my cat agrees with me about that. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing a lot of podcasts too. Podcasts really work for me. They're short and keep my attention, and you know, make me happy. Generally, you know, they work for me. People are upbeat or they're good self care for me, so they work well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So our first reader question comes from previous guest Amelia. Um, and she asked, what will tempt folks to read outside of their usual comfort zone, which we've kind of sort of discussed a bit. Um, and then favorite author to explore new things with either trope wise, plot wise or setting wise. Hmm. So like an author that will make you t- that you'll follow into something new. Yeah, kind of like that. Okay. I mean, I think there are some authors that you establish a whole lot of trust. So there are certain people like Beverly Jenkins. I'll read pretty much anything she writes. And cowboys, sure. Um, <laughs> pirates, why not? Uh, <laughs> teacher on the prairie. Okay. Um, because I figure she's researched it. It's awesome. It, it, it's going to be great. I feel like right now, um, Katrina Jackson is that for me. Like she's newer to me over the last year or so. And uh, like she's been doing a whole lot across the board. And um, with, I think it was every new year. I mean, she read, it's all contemporary, but every new year just seemed a little bit different from her other ones. And I mean, it was still contemporary, but it was just a really long, slow burn, and it was a really great payoff, and I mean, I'll follow her wherever she goes. I know just today she posted on Twitter that she was trying out some aliens, just on, not like a full really? book. She was, yeah, she was trying out some aliens, just some short fic here and there, and I replied, I was like, I'm into it, whatever you write, <laughs> I'll follow you. I'm like, okay, sure, I'll do it. I think for me... KJ Charles. I will read anything KJ Charles writes. I've oh wait, I haven't oh no wait, Tokyo and Trouble's not in print anymore, anyways. I have read everything she has written except for the one that is out of print. <laughs> um, because that was with Samhain. But she can write anything. She's writing her adventure pulp romance thing right now, and I just I'll read anything by her. It's it doesn't matter. I would read a shopping list written by Clem. <laughs> also Cat Sebastian I would re- I I will read anything by Cat. I, I guess I would agree Cat Sebastian is one of the 
uh, authors that over the last few years I pretty much will read anything she writes uh, and I really loved uh, her little story that she had as an extra for fans and she's actually made available now for people um, and it was it's a selk it's, yeah it's a selkie, oh, yeah. The selkie and- story a the selfie story, for, uh, yeah. The auction, yeah. Yeah, that was fantastic. I am um, so happy I picked that as the topic for her to write. <laughs> I mean, it, she doesn't normally write paranormal, and now I want all her stories to have a little paranormal <laughs> selkie running in the background, murdering <laughs> evil dudes. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah, no, that that was delightful because I was like, oh, now now it's technically official that je- that every other main character in that series is oblivious to the magical world. You know, just that's how it is. Sarah Turner's the only one who notices. No fitting dresses. We got another question that was sort of fun. At first, when I received it, I was like, well, when uh, Sarah received it, I was a little bit like, really? Blue dresses? But it was sort of fun to, uh, somebody asked us, like, our favorite historical novels with blue dresses on the cover. And, um... It was sort of fun to go through my Kindle and try to look at covers because as a reviewer, I read a lot of ARCs, so I don't actually look at covers very often till after the fact. So that was a fun question to get. The only blue cover that I immediately found on my bookcase um, is tech, or blue dress anyways, the figure on the Affair of the Mysterious Letter by Alexis Hall. It's technically blue and black. Ah. Um, or it's like black with like blue shadows, but it, it's People blue. Allow it. <laughs> it's, it's blue enough. I don't think I realized that it was historical with blue dress because I have a contemporary in there, so I'm gonna I have, have to strike have one of mine. I no, uh, you know what? Maybe it's just blue dresses. <laughs> because I also wrote down a uh, a regular one from this. So let, let's include. Okay. <laughs> Judge says. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Because I have, um, one of them was A Taste of Her Own Medicine by Tasha L. Harrison. You can't see her full body, but her upper body has like a blue flowered top on. So I counted it because I really love that book. And I was like, I'm going to count it in this. So, <laughs> Well, in the in the cheating category, that's where I also have uh, Grumpy Jacob, Melissa Blue. We only see the top of an outfit, and I'm choosing oh. to believe it's a nice summer dress in aqua. And that's such a cute little story. It's a teacher falling for a student's father, and she's—he's sort of like the player of the school. So she's like, "No, this is terrible." Like, so she gives him like mean looks all the time, and that's actually how they end up together. And it's sweet, and I love it. That was a really cute book. On any of Alyssa Cole's books. There's a, you know, Alyssa Cole has a blue in the second book of her historical series. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, I can see it in my head. It's like blue with like a white trim Yeah, on like it. a white border. But I was actually looking like at her princess ones. And there's a lot of blue on the Dutch in the um, a Duke by Default. But her dress is in blue. It has some blue accents. And the one with the uh, prince uh, on paper, it's like an aqua blue highlights on that dress. And isn't there like a blue jacket in Once Upon a, um, uh, what's the, uh, Once Ghosted Twice Shy? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So a lot, yes. of blue, a lot of blue, but maybe not dresses. <laughs> All those books are awesome. Read them. Yes. Uh, Miss Martin's picture mm-hmm. has a blue dress. Yes. That was uh, one of the first that popped up on my Kindle. 
And then, does Delicate Deception have a blue dress? It's an aqua blue. At least on my Kindle. <laughs> Maybe it's more green. I don't have the paperback for that yet, so I can't be like, yes, this is 100% the blue dress. It, it's like aqua blue. It counts. Okay. Yeah, and that was a book that was really cool to give to my uh, oldest kid just recently. And they they came out of that saying, Cat Sebastian's writing for me. Just <laughs> for me (laughs) that makes me so happy and then a little light mischief by cat sebastian that has like a blue dress on it Mm -hmm. and for those who don't know that's uh, like a vicar's daughter who is getting a little revenge on the man who got her cast out after sexually harassing her with the help of a lady's maid yes who she falls for. <laughs> yes. Yes. So it's that cross-class lesbian romance by Cat Sebastian. Well, bisexual lesbian Bisex- romance. Yes. Let's let's be clear on that. <laughs> I'm, fa- I'm fairly certain like half Cat's characters are bi and the other half is probably gay. And Robin's probably queer because we're just like, what would Robin identify as? <laughs> we don't know. Blue dresses, uh, we've been talking a lot about powerful historical heroines this month, um, so I suggest folks check out the episodes that we have this month, um, but I will say um, Gilded Cage is a quick example. And the infamous Miss Rodriguez, yeah. And then... Which also has a blue dress. That's uh-huh. true. Just saying, so it can fit into both categories, as can Beverly Jenkins fit in both categories, because Tempest Tempest. and Destiny's Embrace have blue dresses as well. I'm just saying. And I love Regan Regan and Tempest. Oh, and Cat Sebastian. We're just all over the place there. We're fitting both those categories. (laughs) Just mix them all in. So the next question is about illustrated covers. What do we all think about the current trend of illustrated covers in romance? I feel like it's funny that we're still arguing about it, and I feel like it's like year three of illustrated (laughs) covers. And I guess what I feel like is why are they there? They're going after the YA women's market. There's so many women who buy YA, and a lot of those covers are illustrated and in trade size. So if you're going to market to them, why wouldn't you do illustrated covers in trade size? Which makes sense. My only complaint about some of the illustrated covers is the lack of eyes of a lot of them. Which I totally agree with. features, and I'm just like, it's not going to cost you that much more for whoever you commissioned to paint some eyes on there <laughs> or a mouth or some glasses. Yes, some of them are really going for the cameo look and others. I, I then, like, I think, you know, everybody follows the trend, right? So yeah. somebody goes for a cameo look and then the next person is like, well, that looks cool. But then they make it more realistic, but they leave the face off. You're like, they have faces. Please give us faces. I mean, I have a lot of strong opinions about this, as I know everyone does, but, and I know that there's always going to be cover trends, and I can appreciate that. This just, you know, isn't my favorite, and I think that YA has some really, really beautiful illustrated covers that I super love. YA has it down pat. They have, I I, I mean, YA just has the money 
to uh, probably be frank about it, to spend on very deeply illustrated covers. They get some really beautiful ones. I just know that I, um, you know, representation matters and I just super love realistic black and brown and queer and trans people on 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 realistic covers and so I mean like let's talk about once goes to twice shy that uh, photorealistic cover yeah gorgeous yeah but that's the reason they can do that is because it has fantastic and all all that whole series has beautiful beautiful covers and Alicia Rye's Forbidden Hearts all have beautiful Avon covers but then we also sometimes get some photo covers that are right photoshopped and like, honestly, there's some covers that are coming out here in the summer that I was like, mm, those two people were not in the same lighting. It looks really bad. So, so. I know, and obviously this is not the place to talk about it completely. <laughs> but, you know, I would just love to see all across the board, great, fabulous covers for everyone. So, yeah, yeah. like I, I, I love the trend in illustrated covers because some of them are really gorgeous. And I just want more gorgeous <laughs> illustrated covers. Who, who's seen Olivia Dade's upcoming cover? Um, I have. The, for her Avon cover, and you have a beautiful fat woman with a pimply bottom. You know, it's not the smooth spandexed bottom. And I love that. I love that her curves are not perfect. Because yeah, I was so, glad to see that fat representation there. Yeah, yeah because that, honestly, sometimes, you know, it's so often in a more chiclet look, they might have smoothed it out, but it was still like, it, it, it made me feel seen. Like, yep. If I don't put on the, yeah, <laughs> that's what it's gonna look like. Like um, KJ Charles covers for Gilded Cage and Any Old Diamonds, those are gorgeous. They're absolutely yeah. amazing. Yeah. Uh, oh, and, and the worst Hall. best man is so fun uh, by Mia Sosa. I love uh, the the cake toppers toppling off the uh, <laughs> you know, the best man off the cake. Uh, it's great. And I mean, that's something you couldn't do with a photo cover, but it really captures the mood of the book. Right. Like an illustrated cover should be fun and it should be beautiful and should capture tone and just. And and sort of give a cohesiveness to the series, right? I mean, uh, the next of um, what's her name, Talia Hibbert's books is coming out and it ties in with Chloe Brown this color scheme is the bright yellow, which is, I guess, this year's color. Yeah. But it would look really nice against the Chloe Brown cover on the shelf. So that's mm, just me. That's true. So I guess people are doing their best. They're following the market. They're trying to sell those books. And trends come around. And pretty soon, they'll be back to beefcake. It always happens. This is true. Oh, beefcake. <laughs> it has its place. So it has its place. Everything has its place. I remember uh-huh. the very first romance I picked up, like one of the very first I got from the library. My husband went and picked it up for me. It was uh, Mel Jean Brooks. Uh, what is the Duke's name? Uh, uh, the Iron Duke. And I had only seen one of the other, like a later cover online. But when he comes back from the, with a library copy, it's all abs. He's like, your book? And I'm like, yes, it is. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's how it goes. Next question was about epistolary stories. Um, and I had trouble thinking of 
a lot of queer epistolary related stories for this. What about you guys? Or what's so, and I know this is my friend Melanie who asked this question and she's going to laugh because I know that we are not going to be able to give her any new ones for this, <laughs> but maybe someone else out there will online and then she can get, you know, better Rex. But the one that I did, and this is not even me being unique here, um, on Faded Mates, Jen came up with this recommendation, and it made me think, duh, because uh, Jen, Kat, and I did a fun um, review on the book queen of Thrall by Avon Gale and Roan Parrish, which is a really interesting take on Dracula, and it's it's really interesting the way that they did the book and it is totally through um, like online communication and journals and instant messages and it's really updated and it's really fun. And so I definitely would recommend it. And I love both of those authors. That's the only one by Rowan and Avon that I have not read yet. It's interesting. I mean, it's it. It's good. I and we did a fun like book review of it together and so I I can't believe I had never thought of it um as an epistolary before until I listened to that episode. So that's definitely a shout out to Jen for even thinking of that one. Well yeah, and and on that and like if people ask for epistolary, I don't immediately think, Oh, the right swipe. But that one totally has a great deal of the interchange between the couple is on via texting. There's Murakan conversations, there's yeah. lots of going back and forth, and uh, they also do these little videos. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's I think we see a lot more of those elements in romance today. And any of uh, Alicia, uh, not Alicia, uh, Alyssa Cole's uh, oh, I love books, her text there's messages. Al- there's always text messages back and forth between friends or, or it's part of the relationship, flirting online. And um, Rock Courtship by Nalini Singh, who obviously, I I always have to mention Nalini, but um, told through, not completely through, but memos, which the use of memos in that book is just ridiculously good. And it's so sexy. It's so sexy and hilarious. And it's it's just the best. That's one of my favorite books of hers. So good. So for me, the Love and Luck podcast which it's an Australian queer romantic comedy romance podcast told entirely through voicemails. And it's these two gay men, one who's trans, who meet at a club and keep missing each other with their voicemails. And then when they get together, they just keep leaving each other voicemails. Mm. So they decide to open this queer dry bar together. And it's, I think, like 190 episodes, but they're only like, 10 to 15 minutes each, not even. All voicemails back and forth that the characters leave each other, like, oh, you're going to bed. Uh, here's what I'll say to you when you wake up. And then, like, other characters get involved and start leaving voicemails as well. And it's really cool. And um, it, I'm assuming it's fiction? It is fiction. Um, I will so say cute. it is also very, like, there's some heavy stuff in it. Like, it deals with homophobia, transphobia immigrant violence and gay bashing so there are heavy elements that they do warn ahead of each episode so at the start of each episode they will give content warnings when necessary so the concept is very cute but there's also some very intense stuff in it as well 
Okay. Small Change by Rowan Parrish also had the same, like, uh, Christopher oh. sends the emails to uh, Jude. That was, like, his chapters are entirely just the emails to his brother. That's uh, true. That Jude never responds to. <laughs> God, I love Jude so much. Um, and then The Affair of the Mysterious Letter by Alexis Hall, which is a Sherlock Holmes pastiche, is entirely through Watson's, or in this case, John Wyndham's letters to his editor. And, his, to his, and he'll, just, he'll just say, like, my editor won't let me put this in because <laughs> I'd be actually naming some very important people where I can't use these words. But here are the following events as they happened, as I can show you. So it's a, it's a lot of fun. Oh, and then there is Dear Aaron by Mariana Zapata, who I really loved that book. I know that not everyone loves that book, but it's a super slow burn, which is her style. And I think like the first 50% is completely told through um, emails and IMs. And then they don't even meet until like 85%, which is not even surprising with that author. So, <laughs> but I super liked it. So it's good. Alrighty. Last question. So, yeah, we got one question from Lily <laughs> and it was a morality chain rec request. Which I is- wasn't entirely sure at the time what a morality chain was. <laughs> What is this? And I mean, I love reading them when I do, but I pretty much get all my recs from Lily. So I would say Nalini Singh's Heart <laughs> of Obsidian and pretty much all the Guild Hunter books. But I got nothing. Um, so for me, the only one I could think of, and I'm sure there are others, like Crowley and Every Good Omens fanfic. <laughs> or no, yeah. Crowley and every good omens fanfic because Aziraphale is the only reason that he like has like is down to earth, um, so to speak. But in not fanfic, Grey and the Spectre series by Jordan L. Hawk. So Grey is the vampire, three thousand year old spirit that possesses Caleb, and they both have a romantic relationship with John. And the only reason that they don't go off killing like other ghouls and the ones that they need to is because John keeps them like te- like is their tether to like mm. staying within the law and if John ever died at any point the world just kind of would be turned into a giant flood because Grey would probably cause a storm that drowned everyone so you know and I guess I was just thinking, I read, been reading Juno Rushton's uh, Final Hour series, and that's of the romantic suspense. The third book is coming out soon. And warning, if you don't want to read about pathogens right now, this is not the book to read. But they're, almost all of them are dealing with, like, agents of these secret agents, they like to be called uh, field officers, who have uh, are immensely powerful. They kill a lot of people for their job. They torture people. But sometimes what keeps them from going over the edge is the love of a good person, right? So they want to they wanna stay on the good side and say, like, so they limit themselves. So I guess that's morality chain-ish. Yeah, I got nothing. Lily gives me my morality chain wrecks. And, I and yeah, I would say um, Guild Hunter was the first one I thought of. And then other than that, I didn't think of any in time. So... <laughs> 
I'm staring at my bookcase being like, there's a lot of Roan sus over here, and I don't, I don't know. So I guess what we, we should tell anybody who's looking for Morality Chain Rex, follow Go Lily, to Lily on Twitter. <laughs> she is fabulous, not for only for that reason, but she is a font of that kind of drag and urban fantasy. So, and I mean, badass heroines. And badass heroines, so check those all out. Do we have any other questions or anything else we wanted to quickly talk about? I think that was it. Awesome. Alrighty, folks. Well, if you have any more questions, hit us up on Twitter and we'll answer them the next time. Thank you for joining us. Um, You can find me, Sarah, on Twitter at at @QueerReader. Uh, Where can they find you, Anna and Melinda? You can find me as a reviewer on Love and Panels and on Twitter, where I live pretty much all the time, as Anna Hockey. And I'm on Twitter at Melinda Edits. All righty. Thank you for for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Rom Book Pod, Inclusively Yours, a new weekly podcast celebrating inclusive romance, one trope at a time. If you'd like weekly recommendations for inclusive romance, please take a moment to subscribe. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest at Rom Book Pod. That's R-O-M-B-K-P-O-D. Thank you for joining us, and until next time, happy reading.